Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I offer you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking with Kurt Scalarup. He is the founder and CEO of the entertainment company Lark's Entertainment. Kurt was part of the first wave of entertainment, having founded and scaled Altitude Trampoline Park over a decade ago. Now he's back with Larks, which is preparing to launch several active entertainment concepts featuring everything from shuffleboard to putt-putt to obstacle courses that franchisees can pick and choose to build out their own entertainment footprints. Kurt joined the podcast to talk about the second wave of entertainment and how it could go from trend and novelty to social mainstay in markets both big and small. In this conversation, you'll learn more about the concept of modular franchising and why it could be key to entertainment's growth, how value could play a big role in the next entertainment wave, and why there's room for everybody in this increasingly competitive category. Jumping now into my interview with Kurt Scalarup, the founder and CEO of Lark's Entertainment. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my five takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. For generations, Butterball has delivered only quality American-grown turkey. They provide products that please patrons while delivering versatility to operators in all segments. But Butterball doesn't stop there. As an organization, they're always looking for ways to empower operators to be at their best. From recipes that inspire culinary creativity to insights and trends that can help drive business decisions, it's all at ButterballFoodService.com. Okay, Kurt Scalarup, the CEO and founder of Lark's Entertainment. Kurt, thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to talk about this new venture you have. Um, and before we get into Lark's Entertainment, tell us about your career, because I know you've been in this industry for a long time. What, tell, me, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from. Oh, thanks, Sam. I appreciate the, taking your time. Hey, I uh, uh, so I've been in the industry, in this industry, for about uh, 12 years now. And oddly enough, I was a corporate guy for 30 years. And uh, and came out of it, ran a couple of things, and then got into the family entertainment business under uh, Altitude Trampoline Park back in 2012. I think we opened our first one in 2013. And uh, uh, fortunately, we grew to the second largest in, in that little industry, in the trampoline industry. And uh, we grew to eight countries and just under 100 facilities. And uh, really kind of liked the, the, whole, uh, the whole pattern. So... Uh, uh, we got into, we did, uh, we'll talk a little bit later, I think, is uh, talked about franchising in a box and we did everything that we could for the franchising accounting and marketing and all that. And uh, and then launched another company called Altitude H2O, which was trampolines on water and then some, several other things and then got into the community, uh, the, the franchise world. And, and it's been quite an adventure. Seems to me like you guys probably struck while the iron was hot because 12 years ago at that time, trampoline parks... I mean, that was about the time they, they kind of came into their own as an industry, right? Yeah, Sam, it's funny you mention that is, that, is that when we got in, we were one of the first 30 trampoline parks. Uh, we opened our first in Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, my partner, Jeff Rutten, and I, uh, we uh, got into it, opened one, and he, he was after me for a year. 
tilt one up. And I never didn't understand the concept of trampolines. How do you monetize? How do you make money on it? And it was quite, quite different for me. A year later, we got back together. We flew down to somewhere in Florida and looked at it and decided to open one up. And uh, first year we opened up the uh, first two years, we opened up four and then second, the third year, 15 and 18 and 38. I think we opened it in our 2018, something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and now as we were talking before we hit record, you know, I'm in Columbus. I have I have trampoline parks all around the city, all around me. Obviously, is taken off, and you know what we're here to talk about today is your next venture with Larks Entertainment because Eatertainment has suddenly become the hottest thing in food service for probably a lot of reasons we can get into. Um, but w- tell me about Larks. How did this opportunity come up? Why did you want to jump back into this game? Well, it's uh, it's funny. I, I always wanted to do more and out of respect for the people. We sold our company to a private equity firm and uh, a good group. They own restaurants and different things. And uh, when we uh, got into them, there was more ideas that we wanted to go. Uh, and, and they took what we had and went on. This was one of the things that we were thinking about uh, to get into bigger things, more adult things and how to mix kids and adults and and, uh, and after our time period left uh, from not being able to do a lot due to non-competes and different things, we got into uh, this Lark's Entertainment. And, and one of the things that was really the cornerstone to this was, in, and I'll try to be brief, but in, in trampoline parks, the franchisee or your partner had to have great wealth uh, to be able to have the opportunity to open up a facility up to a million dollars plus, and, and, and it takes $3 million on broad brushing it, but $3 million sure. to build a trampoline park. And that's a very small part of the world. When we would go to franchise shows, uh, we talked to a hundred people and only five could afford to open a trampoline park. So my mind clicked and I said, how do we get more people to do more things? Hence Larks. Uh, we have the ability to be modular franchising, uh, which allows us to go to people that might have a net worth of 250,000 much less our, our, our partners in real estate love us because we can be in 15,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet. So it ticks a lot of boxes, checks a lot of boxes, if that makes any self, uh, sense then. Absolutely. Modular franchising. I love that term because this is this is so new to me. And this it feels a little bit like choose your own adventure as a franchisee. You're, you're within sort of a, a certain set of uh, choices, of course, but you're designing what your concept ultimately is going to be. Walk us through what some of those choices are. Yeah, Sam, you hit hit the nail on the head. It really is a menu of options. You walk in, you get, uh, uh, first off, every Larks will come with a, a some type of food, uh, uh, not a restaurant, but food uh, place. We're going to have uh, a liquor, uh, so we didn't have that in the past, but we'll have liquor, and we're going to have uh, adult and children's arcades. So we're going to have, that will come in every one of them. Uh, and then, and then the, we're going to have four other things. We're going to have shuffleboard. Uh, we're going to have miniature golf, uh, the high-tech uh, uh, miniature golf. We're going to have uh, things uh, called Blasters, which is basically a Nerf adventure that we're going to have the ability to go. It's, it's a very high-bred Nerf adventure. There's a lot of ones out there that aren't like what we're going for. Uh, uh, and then there's going to be an obstacle course uh, that we're going to get into that people, everything that we do will be competitive. Uh, we've got some surprise things that are coming up that maybe if we ever do another podcast that we'll announce, but there's a lot of other levels of entertainment, competitive socializing we're adding to the package and, and those will be soon, named soon. So, 
competitive socializing, another term uh, that uh, I really enjoy. I'm going to have to add that to my vocabulary. So the child in me is getting giddy because hearing about this, just I I, I just want to go experience it. But I've talked about it on this podcast before. I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And so I'm really immersed in this world right now. I've been to a number of six-year-old birthday parties at trampoline parks. And so it seems tailor-made to the family and um, going out and experiencing these things. I assume that's your core demographic, but tell me a little bit more about what you see. What What is the occasion that the Lark's concepts are really trying to fulfill? Uh, we're really looking, Sam, for to 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 fill a void that I think is out there today. Uh, that we have some great competitors out there, and competition is really what makes us better. Uh, I think as much as we can, it's just a strong thing. Get people out there and active, and the active entertainment piece. And and uh, you know the way we look at it is this: is that uh, so many people, only so many people can shop at a Nordstrom's, only so many people shop at a Dillard's, and everybody can shop at a Walmart. We want to make our price competitive so everybody can enjoy. Just like we referenced that you can have a smaller net worth to be able to be a franchisee. Same thing with this: we want these people coming out two or three times again. Uh, uh, Dave and Buster's great brand made all these things are great brands, but we want to be able to be, uh, we don't want to have people to go out and spend $500 a night. We want them to be able to right. go out and have a great family time, uh, with, uh, with, uh, for a couple hundred bucks or $150 with their family. Uh, and it can be little kids, middle kids, uh, it can be teenagers. And what's great thing about a couple of our concepts is the shuffleboard. We're going to have senior leagues where during the day they can come in and, I mean, it's it's quite a range of things, and and if you peel back the onion a little bit, the uh, the shuffleboard is coming back with a bang. There's a lot of shuffleboards opening up across the country right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I wanted to talk about that. You know, it, it does seem like now is another another moment. It sounds it seems like you're striking while the iron is hot again on sort of a second wave of entertainment here. Of course, you have pickleball concepts that are springing up. Uh, to your point, shuffleboard. There's been bocce ball. A lot of different concepts springing up around entertaining and competitive socializing, as you say. Um, why now? What are some of the reasons you think this is something that consumers are hungry for? Yeah, Sam, it, it's funny. You're hitting a lot of the things uh, you thought I've talked to you before today, but the, a lot of the things you're hitting is exactly right. Is that is that when we hit trampoline parks, uh, uh, you know, there's only 30. Now there's there was at one point over 2000 in the United States. So wow. there was just a ton of them. Uh, uh, the the my partner now, uh, Ricardo Denine, he, he uh, actually went to a shuffleboard place a few years ago. And, and I had not been to one yet. And now you're, they're popping up in colleges and different things. There's high end ones, low end ones. And, and uh, uh, we're going to fill that void. But what I think it is for us is that our goal is to have a no skill concept. Uh, uh, again, not to keep talking about trampolines, but a trampoline is meant for young kids with no athletic ability, for kids that are very athletically uh, talented, but everybody can go jump on a trampoline. Uh, uh, all of our concepts have a no skill concept. Anybody can put a stick in their hand and move a puck down. Anybody can put a ball. Anybody can play our blasters uh, uh, games and play an obstacle course. Whether you score 300 or you score 100, everybody can do it. Hence the reason you can have a much broader volume of people come to visit your venue at a reasonable cost. Mm -hmm. That's our core is everything is is basic and one more concept is the fact yeah. that 
a lot of these ninja courses are very successful and very popular. The challenge with that is, is, is uh, I'm going to, again, use a broad break. Only 20% of Americans can hold up their own body weight. So if you go to one yeah. of those things and you're not very athletic, then you're embarrassed. And we don't want that. We want people to go and have a great time, have a quesadilla, which is we're going to be pushing a lot of different quesadillas at our place. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of great partners that have opened many restaurants who are going to have a great uh, bar and grill and different things that way. So we're very excited about uh, all of our uh, all of our touch points. Kurt, I got to tell you, I'm embarrassed to jump on the trampolines because my knees start to give out. My old body is like, <laughs> what is this? What I don't remember doing this. It's been too long. <laughs> but yes, well, I, I appreciate that point. It's funny you mention that is everybody thinks that everyone gets hurt on trampolines and 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 as a percent of the total market, it, 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 they don't get hurt as much as what they think they do. But anyway, that's yeah, that's that. yeah it's definitely true. Um, so so I've talked to a few folks recently in the full service restaurant business, and it's interesting because entertainment has come up as, you know, this new competitor as as, a, you know, something where a family might have once thought to go to a restaurant to grab a pizza you know, now they're thinking, well, we want to do more than just sit around the table. We actually want to go experience something. And so I'm curious, you know, what's the competition? What what are you competing for? And ultimately, what's the frequency you expect? Because, you know, my family, of course, my kids are still a little young, but we don't go to restaurants too frequently because it's, you know, it's maybe a once a month special kind of thing, right? How do you capitalize on, you know, that those occasions that we talked about before to make sure you do have enough frequency to drive revenue? Uh, again, Sam, the great question is that is that we're, we're going to base our, our uh, I mentioned pricing earlier to be the very aggressive. Uh, secondly, we're going to have memberships, uh, uh, a lot of birthday parties, a lot of corporate events. And we're going to fill this thing uh, very similarly through the day. We're going to have things that are be very key to our children as it gets later. It'll be more adult driven. But at night, uh, you can bring your kids and you can bring everybody and then they go home. And I mean, it's literally going to be a very, very open forum. But but uh, uh, again, big birthday, big corporate events. And one of the big thing, company uh, uh, outings. And uh, this membership program is going to drive people to get things that they can earn points a little bit like. Uh, the airplane, like American Airlines, they've got a great uh, membership program. We've got a program that we'll be announcing shortly that's going to drive people loyalty points, a loyalty point thing that you're going to be able to get things when you come in. Uh, membership program, you're going to be able to get in uh, less for less expense. So our goal is to have our place be a little bit like Cheers. You're going to go there. Everyone's going to know your name. You're going to be very friendly. It shouldn't be a once a month thing. It should be a two to three to four time. Hey, we'll just go grab something larks one last comment on that is that is that you know with in my age uh you know you'd go to a bar and you'd meet someone however that dating process worked back then well now everyone's swiping left and swiping right or however that goes and and uh uh, and it's uncomfortable sometimes to meet people we are now creating we believe an environment for that generation to instead of sitting across the table from somebody not saying anything we think they can go out and have an activity and create some uh, stimulate some type of discussion versus just mumbling. So uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And I, I've said this to, to some friends, which is like, uh, you know, I love going to grab beers with my buddies. But if if you feel like you are not in a hugely talkative mood, what do you do to hang out with friends? Entertainment is perfectly filling that void. 
That's right. And we're going to have three different levels of games. We're going to have the things that I previously discussed, the shuffleboard, the miniature golf, and the e-blast, all that stuff. Uh, we're also going to have a, a tier two, the stuff that we're going to announce. It's going to be very exciting, kind of a new concept coming out. That's going to be at all, uh, some, if not all of our facilities. A very, again, a competitive game that's going to be all lit up in different things, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a game show. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to have a, a things that you're going to be able to be active at the table. There's going to be different little games that you can play, whether they're kids or adults or different things. You'll go to some places that keep you active versus just staring at the menu or something like that. So we're going to have the whole thing should be an, uh, an experience and uh, very, very much of a entertaining evening as you go out. All right. So let's talk about some of the limitations here, because there are some, I imagine, first off, um, regardless of the modular component, which again, I love, I, there, there's still a cost piece here, which is that build out, I imagine, is fairly expensive and upkeep and maintenance, which I'm sure you could talk to. But um, but also just thinking about space, uh, you know, when you get into cities and looking for real estate restaurants that are 1500 square feet, they're having trouble finding space. How do you go find space for some of these big boxes? Tell me how you're sorting through some of these limitations. Well, one of the things that we've done is that uh, even back in, in our old concept, we, we, we come with a, we have something called franchising the box. And if you ever go on our website and look at our FDD, you'll have an understanding. And we do everything for our partners and, and lean into customers. So we're going to give, if you're looking in Columbus, Ohio, we will go out and pre-look at, at uh, uh, real estate through our internal real estate people. We have internal construction company. We have finance, we have an operations team. So when you come to us, we are a franchise that is not just, hey, thanks for signing up, good luck to you, have a good time. We're immersed in the, in the, in the partnership that we will uh, dig into. Back to your original question about the real estate is that uh, if somebody says I wanna be in Columbus or Cleveland or something, we'll say, all right, give us a week, we'll find 10 spots, we'll go look at them. And then we do a demographic study that, that derives what the MSA or the over overreaching market will give us. Uh, and clearly the kids, teenagers, adults, and elderly people are our market. So if they're doing that and, and due to the X income, uh, we'll easily be able to do a math equation and tell you how well we'll be able to fit. We've done that thousands and thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Sam, and Sam, one last point to finish that is, is that uh, we can now not only go into, as I think I mentioned earlier, we can go into a 15,000 square foot space or a 50. We now can go into a Minot, North Dakota, where we couldn't have afforded it before in our, in our other concepts, because we can go into a, a, a 15,000 square foot spot where you needed 30. And, mm-hmm. and the, other thing, the other thing you mentioned is we also can make it uh, uh, just shuffleboard. We can make it a mix between shuffleboard and kids. We can just make it a, I mean, there's so many menu items that we can do to your point about the modular franchising. You can mix it up quite a bit. Yeah. And I imagine too, going into those smaller markets, I mean, cause I was going to say as a limitation, it feels like you need a big market to ensure that frequency of guests to drive revenue that if to keep the place full, if people are only coming once a month, then you need sort of a bigger market to tailor to. But it sounds like with this modular franchising, you can have a smaller concept in a smaller market and that it's a, it's a wash. And that's a great point. And, and, and I don't know if I answered your original question very well, but let me follow up by saying, is, is it really is the math around volume to a person in Bismarck, North Dakota is something differently in Chicago, Illinois. 
I can create a great volume of people if I'm in a hundred thousand person town and I end up being able to get 200 people in town, I'm killing it. If I'm right. in Chicago, I need 600 people in town and, and, and I'll, 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 I'll drive X amount of dollars. So the definition of volume is going to be defined by, by the town that we go in, which yeah. we've not had that opportunity before. That makes sense. Uh, so going back to um, real estate and competition, I can tell you one thing about my kids' sock drawers is I've got like five different trampoline parks represented in there <laughs> because they all make me buy their own socks. It drives me crazy. Um, but point being is that, you know, there's one birthday party over at this trampoline park, one birthday party over at this trampoline park. And so we, you know, point is, is there's a lot of competition in the space, increasingly so. Um, how, how do you how do you position Larks within the competitive set and ensure you're getting that prime real estate when you know there's probably a pickleball concept trying to swoop that space up too? Yeah, Sam, the, the, the pickleball's fantastic. I'm a racquetball player myself and do play some pickleball. Uh, one of the people I was pushed, hey, why don't you add pickleball to your concepts? And and it doesn't fit with us because you're going out for an evening. But but uh, uh, pickleball, I, I'd put our concept right next to a pickleball place. Mm. Uh, people want to go, they'll go to pickleball, then they'll go to our place one night. I think an energy-packed facility uh, or area is why people go. We'll go there Monday, we'll go there Tuesday, or I'll go this Friday, and I'll yeah. go to your next one. Uh, uh, I wouldn't put it next to probably uh, main event through block or, or a David Buster's. I think that that can, we compete with them too closely, but, but I think that uh, uh, any type of food restaurant or any type of movie theater, anything, yeah, you know, that's where we want to be. We want to be where people collect. And if you produce and give a good product, people will come. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're not, we're not going to hide and, and try to be so cute and find the spot because then we then we end up waiting for something that may never happen. So we're going to lean in a little bit more. And uh, and the, again, I'm I'm all about volume and all about the math. The math will tell you and dictate what 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 uh, where we go. Seems like cities should have like entertainment districts, right? It's like when you've got like a, an area for your arenas and you've got areas for all the restaurants. So throw a neighborhood out for entertainment. If you can do a podcast and tell municipalities to do that, I'm all in. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> you heard it here first, cities. If you're working <laughs> in city right. development, you know what you need to do. All right, so let's get into franchisees because um, just to, to merge this over to the restaurant industry, um, obviously you guys are serving food, but I, I imagine uh, restaurant franchisees are probably one of your core targets in terms of franchise partners. Um, but walk me through who you're looking for from a franchise franchisee perspective. Who are the best operators for a concept like this? Uh, to be honest with you, what's great about this again is that is that you can make a monster uh, uh, facility in our concept uh, because it's so. Uh, it's so unique in that you can have all four concepts or one. Uh, the, the person we're looking for a franchisee is somebody that it probably is, uh, uh, they're tired of working for the corporation. They're tired of getting up at eight o'clock in the morning and going until three or four or five or whatever they're doing. Uh, 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 we are looking for people that like people. <laughs> what a concept. Uh, we're looking <laughs> for people that smile more than they grimace. Uh, we do a lot of time and effort. And again, we've talked to hundreds and hundreds of uh, franchise partners over the years. We're looking for somebody that that uh, generally it's a husband and a wife. It may be a group of people, but usually husband or wife. Uh, uh, we like them to be, uh, 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 we like them to just have a, a zest or kind of a, 
that gut feel of fun in, in, in their deal because you're going to be very customer driven. The minute we get the franchise, we need to help them get hundreds and hundreds and thousands of customers around there. And we've got to make sure that they like people. Uh, that's kind of hard to interview for, but, uh, uh, but we're looking for somebody that that's, that's, uh, in my past, uh, generally when we open a franchise, very often they would open a second and, and perhaps a third. We're happy if they open the one, but we're looking for somebody that really wants to make an impact on hopefully a city, uh, and, uh, and somebody that wants to do something locally for their community. Um, again, they can be young middle-aged they can be you know in their retirement side we get a lot of that uh, people are retiring this i'm finally out of corporate i'm gonna open a franchise you know our franchising the box give them everything to do operating manuals gives you food and be- everything that they do and again we've got some of the highest uh, in my opinion food and beverage people working on some of the stuff that we've got behind the scenes yeah all right so kurt last question for you is what is the potential of this category? Because in some conversations I've had with folks, I think some people see entertainment as being maybe fairly niche. Um, some people say it as maybe just a trend, maybe a bubble will pop. Um, if we want to talk about it in waves, there was a you know first wave with trampoline parks. Maybe we're on the second wave. Does this wave crest? Do we? Do you see this as being something that will hit a ceiling at some point, or is there more potential to entertainment that I'm not seeing? I, th- I think that I think that the former point than the latter of your your points is is what'll happen. I think that this is uh, the new wave of how people are going to entertain themselves. Uh, uh, basically, right now, uh, we believe you can sit in your living room and you can compete with somebody in Europe or in Mexico or somewhere. Uh, uh, but to be honest with you, you can't sit at home all the time, and and we're taking you out of your couch and into our facility to compete with. Bob or Lucy or Sue or somebody next to you that you may not have any idea with on a panel of different things you may want to do. Uh, leagues, we're going to have a lot of leagues in our shuffleboard. So you may take, you know, uh, you, Sam, against me, and I've never met you before, but we we compete on the shuffleboard or, or, or some type of putting tournament. So we're looking to really have something that is going to change things. I believe numbers, our goal is to have a couple hundred of these in the United States. And, and uh, uh, we, we grew pretty quickly in our last franchise concepts and uh, uh, we're leaning into this one pretty quick. And I think that uh, I think the, there is no no ceiling to what we can do. And I think we're going to have a lot of people follow us. Well, it's exciting to watch. Can't wait to see what comes of it. Kurt Scalarup, the CEO and founder of Larks Entertainment. Kurt, thanks so much for joining today. Sam, thanks for much, uh, so much for having me. For generations, Butterball has delivered only quality American-grown turkey. They provide products that please patrons while delivering versatility to operators in all segments. But Butterball doesn't stop there. As an organization, they're always looking for ways to empower operators to be at their best. From recipes that inspire culinary creativity to insights and trends that can help drive business decisions, it's all at ButterballFoodService.com. That was my interview with Kurt Scalarup, the founder and CEO of Larks Entertainment. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my five takeaways. 
My first takeaway is that we are in the midst of eatertainment's second wave, and it's driven by adults. The first wave of eatertainment was, well, if you go way, way back, it was Chuck E. Cheese and Dave and & Buster's and the arcade. Uh, but about a decade ago, you saw the rise in trampoline parks that had mostly a food and beverage component but nothing quite like what we're seeing in the second wave. This second wave is so focused on adults because it's adding alcohol and much higher quality food and beverage in general. And it's featuring activities like golf and other things that are not as much kid activities, a little bit more adult oriented. Point is though, the second wave is real and it's happening right now. And there's a good shot that the second wave is happening because of COVID and everybody eager to get out of their house. But in general, as Kurt talked about, people are, they want, as he calls it, active entertainment or uh, competitive socializing. I love those terms. People are looking for those things increasingly. They don't just want to sit around the table and talk. They want to get out and engage. My second takeaway is that modular franchising could be key to entertainment's growth potential. I like that term, modular franchising, and that idea. Uh, entertainment, of course, I, I asked Kurt about this, but it's cost prohibitive for a lot of franchisees because we're talking about really big boxes, really expensive builds. It's a big investment from franchisees. So in order to overcome that, Kurt talked about this concept of modular franchising where they have you know six, the soon-to-be-more concepts in the Lark's entertainment portfolio that franchisees can choose from and sort of choose their own adventure, build, their, build out their own footprint um, and, and take this concept, this concept, this concept. As he said, they could go from 15,000 square feet up to 50,000 square feet. The choice is essentially theirs. Lark's is doing this sort of franchise in a box, as Kurt said, where franchisees have many options that can help them control the cost. My third takeaway is that to drive frequency, entertainment will need to focus on value. This is another thing that is prohibitive with entertainment, and I was curious about is these are expensive activities, and you know, especially if they're expecting any kind of frequency whatsoever, they have to keep costs down. And so Kurt talked about this fact that the multiple concepts under the Lark's um, umbrella, you know, it, it helps them to be able to offer some more value-oriented activities. They want to keep that price down. So if a family goes out, they can not spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, you know, I mentioned to him that I might go take my family out only once a month. How do you build a whole successful business if people are only going once a month? At Lark's, they want folks to come multiple times per month. And the key to that, again, is controlling costs. And so um, the other thing is that loyalty is, is, as he mentioned, a part of this as well. We're talking about loyalty a lot these days. Part of the reason is that loyalty programs give you the perception of value uh, by having tiers and rewards and certain things that behoove you, encourage you, incentivize you to go more frequently. My fourth takeaway is that entertainment is adapting to appeal to all generations. Uh, again, I talked about earlier, it's entertainment was started as kind of this kids thing, this family thing. But um, as Kurt talked about, they want to appeal to everybody, the older generations, the younger generations, everybody in between. They want to appeal to people with athletic ability and those without it. You shouldn't have to meet certain requirements to go out to an entertainment concept. That's key to this category, being able to grow. The other thing he talked about, you know, it's great for date nights, it's great, great for corporate activities, great for, again, family night. Um, they have to check a lot of boxes here, which means they have to make these as universal as possible, which is what Larks is really striving to do. 
My fifth and final takeaway is that there's room for everyone in the entertainment space. Entertainment's been hot for a little while now, and you know, as I, I've seen all these concepts bringing up from pickleball, shuffleboard, bocce ball, bowling, all of these things, I've wondered: is there room for all of these? How many entertainment concepts can we really fit? Can one city have? And as Kurt said, you know, they don't mind being around other entertainment concepts because you might choose one one week and the ne- uh, the other one next door next week. Uh, I liked this idea. We talked about this idea of entertainment districts in cities. I think that's kind of fun, which is if there's a part of the city that you go to and you might go there every Friday night and try something different as far as entertainment, that could be an appealing way to to welcome all this competition. Point is, is that as more entertainment concepts come into the fold, I think there is a way that uh, that it will work where customers won't have overload. There won't be too much saturation. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.